Hi, I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 35 of Shades of Brown. And this week, uh, we're going to be talking about some video games. Uh, yeah, we're going to be skipping the... So last week we said we are going to talk about iOS, macOS, and watchOS. But we decided to uh, try and live with it for a week or two before we actually talk about it. Just so uh, we don't miss anything when we uh, actually do have our episode on it. Yes, and I'm, all, I'm also still making my way through reading the reviews, the Mac Stories review. Uh, the Ars Technica review. So it's it's still it's still in progress. I'm still working on like, you know I, I just installed it yesterday, so it was available yesterday and I'm still figuring it out. But the first topic on our list uh is there's a video game called Destiny Two. And uh we're gonna start off with with this with the most important thing that was lacking, uh, I would say, in the last game. Uh the story. Christian, what do you think of the story? Um so just for those listening, um as I've said multiple times, you should be using a podcast app that supports chapters, think Pocket Cast, Overcast. Uh, we are going to talk about spoilers. Um, I am going to have a chapter that will jump to another point in this topic where we uh, no longer discuss the spoilers. So if you do not want to get spoiled on the story, I suggest just skipping ahead to that. But with that, um, the story... Bungie, Bungie can start a good story, but I don't know why they can't finish it. Like... Yeah, like a lot of the threads that they start in the story, like like this, the writing is like I think they have a pacing problem of some sort. Like the the story started out really, uh, really well. Like the whole introduction to the story where like you lose your lose the light, uh, you you gain back your powers and like you know like you're you're sort of like in this weak state and you're trying to like find like you get introduced to all these characters and there's actually like good characters that you get introduced to and like there's this like it's just like it's a good story that starts off really nice but like it like tries like i feel like they have to like cut it off or something like they have to make it short like they have to make it really short so otherwise people wouldn't finish the whole thing or something i don't know but it felt like it got rushed like the ending was rushed like it felt like they had more to say and more to do but they didn't want to do it or they couldn't do it for for whatever reason so you're saying that they didn't have time to explain. Oh, Christian, I, I fuck, <laughs> get out, get out. I knew you were going to do that. I knew it. Uh, and yes, uh, they even make a joke about that in the story at some point. I, I'll, I'll leave the uh, whoever plays it to figure that one out. But uh, uh, There's an especially egregious charge of uh, them being self-referential in the last boss fight. Uh, I am going to spoil this one where... The uh, the uh, Gary, as as Cade calls him, um, essentially yells, I am legend when you're fighting him in the final boss fight, which is the marketing slogan for Destiny 1, which is like, I just threw up in my mouth a little bit when I heard that. OK, that was probably like an inside joke like that. That probably had like a lot of the things, a lot of I like the lot of writing the sort of reference to the jokes. The jokes are really good. Like, no, it was good writing, right? Like, this is why I was. I was telling uh, Static when we're doing our playthrough that I keep I keep thinking it has to be management at Bungie because like right from every point of this game like we'll talk about the other aspects in a bit right but from the writing to the design to the how the weapons feel to how the gun shoot and all that right they're all great each individual piece is really good and you can tell there's been time and care put into it but then when they're all put together in a package I just think that somewhere it's like management at Bungie that's failing. Because it's definitely not the writers or the voice actors yeah, or the like, people designing the guns. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of talent in this game. Like, definitely, like, it shows. Like, the writing, the visuals, uh, we'll get to those in a bit. But, like, there's, let's focus on the writing for it. But, like, the, the talent is there. Like, there's some actually good uh, character development, like, story, story-wise. story Like, 
concepts properly being introduced and like explained. Uh, and like obviously, there's people who are working on this who who care, but I feel like there's like a maybe a maybe like Activision, maybe there's a publisher problem here. Maybe the publisher wants some sort of like they don't want a long story, like they don't want to focus too much on story. Who knows? But like there's definitely like uh like it feels like it feels rushed. Like I feel like the writers weren't you know given enough space in the story. Like it felt like the story like didn't have enough time to breathe. Like it felt like like it got it got started and then it got to this midpoint and then after the midpoint it just like rushed towards the end like it felt like oh my god like the writers had to like like they were told like they had to quick wrap this up really quick and they, they, that's what it it felt rush um so i felt like yeah that's probably a management decision like i i, I wouldn't imagine like some good writing it probably is a part of like the development cycle too right yeah because so i know work for this started right after the taken king came out right so Bungie went from Taken King to Destiny 2 while their live team, like the people who do the Eververse stuff, they were the one working on the Rise of Iron stuff. And they had, so it was like talent was split between a little, like 75% Destiny 2 and 25% maintaining the first game and doing Rise of Iron stuff. And so I think honestly, this game would have benefited from a longer development cycle because it's only two years. It only had two years for them to really go from inception to this and given that they made a completely brand new maps for new planets right uh a whole new story redid their engine a bit like that i i i think like i've said it before about destiny the, the problem is that bungie is just afraid to go the full mmo route i feel like the this kind of game would really benefit from a 15 or 10 dollar a month subscription fee right because Blizzard takes the time usually to add like expansive story elements because they don't only rely on the $60 for the expansion to fund it. Yeah, I think um, Activision is like, I mean, this, this, this is where the publisher comes in because this kind of stuff is made, this kind of decisions are made like usually at the publisher level. Uh, and the publisher involved here is obviously uh, Activision. And Activision is probably like, uh, they probably don't want to take the risk of like making like a full ass subscription MMO. Like they don't subscription subscription MMOs are not really a thing anymore. Like the only one that exists is World of Warcraft. Uh, so those, it's not like a like it's like the market is already like saturated kind of like it's it's weird because like you think that there would be a market for another subscription MMO, but the people who want that are already invested in World of Warcraft. So it's like maybe they didn't want to like crib that market. Like they didn't want to like take away from like the other part of Blizzard's uh like whole thing with with world of warcraft uh so i don't know maybe they thought it was too risky to make it like a, a subscription model uh and make it like just a 60 dollar title with expansions and stuff uh, and yeah the, the problem with AAA publishers is they don't like to take big risks so that would count as taking a big risk uh, i think and they just didn't want to do it uh and i think yes christian said it would, i think it would benefit from like a monthly model where there, there's more story content like world of warcraft like more world building uh, uh and stuff like that but we'll see how the expansions uh pan out uh, next up i want to talk about uh the visual design christian you can start off with that um so this this starts from the initial like opening screen like whoever at bungie it does their art design whoever their art director is all of the artists who work on that team they do outstanding work this I don't think there is a single design in this game that was not amazing, right? Like, and the, and the thing about Bungie's art team is that they can bring these, like, neo-futuristic sci-fi elements, right? And then throw it right next to these gothic elements and just kind of have them mixed together, but not... 
have either side of them seem out of place, right? Right. Uh, the one thing that they're really good at environmental design, like uh, that's one thing that really struck out to me right away as I started is that the environment design in Destiny 2 is very, very good. Like right from the start, you're put in this like world that's just like, like falling apart and like this like war going on, like the introduction of the story. Um, and like every world that I go to is like unique and like has care put into the design of the world, like the like beautiful colors and like, like it's very colorful. It's not gray uh, and white uh, like other shooters uh, in this genre. Uh, it's it's extreme. Like the, one of the files that really like sort of struck out to me was uh, uh, Nessus. I think Nessus was the one that is really like colorful and it looks like a no man's sky planet, but somebody actually like, you know. I think, was it Nessus the one that was on the water? No, or that's that, not oh. Nessus. That's not Nessus. Um, I was talking about Titan. Oh, ti- ti- Titan. Okay, yeah, yeah. Was it Titan or Nessus? I think it's... No, I think it's- Nessus. Nessus is the... Yeah, no, he's Titan. Titan's a, a gas giant, right? Like it's a moon, but it's like mostly gases and water, and like not water, right? But some kind of liquid. And uh, yeah, I think Nessus is the one that had the uh, the Vex, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like all the planets, like have their own unique like style, and it's like consist like like as much as it's consistent to the world itself, and like like the various factions have like their own sort of like uh, like the Vex have their own sort of design like sort of trends going on, like. The Cabal have their own stuff, like the Fallen have their own little, you know, like, like design stuff going on. It's, it's all very, like, cohesive, and, like, it feels like actually somebody sat down and, like, actually thought about how this world should look, and it felt, feels, like, you can feel, like, one of the things that really stuck out to me was the Exodus Black, um, the ship. Like, it's this whole thing, like, it's, it's part of the world, right? It's, like, this huge ship, like, this colony ship, right? Like, they're supposed to build a colony with it, and it's, it's... It's this huge ship that's just like all over the uh, all of the planet, and it's like like every, all the pieces are like spread apart, and it's like really cool how it sort of interacts with the world and stuff. That's that's one thing I thought was really cool. And uh, then like too, right? They they uh, Destiny Two has the same enemy archetypes as a whole, right? From Destiny One, but there are new like subtypes, right? So there's new Cabal enemies you fight and all that, right? But you still have Cabal, Fallen, Vex, Taken. And hive, but they really they redid the designs for every single enemy, and now like the fallen vandals, right? Like, don't you love that animation where they crawl on all fours to like hop or run away from you? And they they and there's uh the taken as well. They have like new uh, phase effects and all this yep. fancy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the enemy, the AI. Let's let's talk about sort of the mechanical stuff here um, for a bit. Uh, the the AI AI has definitely been improved. Like the enemy is smarter. They they'll try to flank you. They'll throw grenades. Um, they'll they'll like you know they'll they'll take cover and like you know like actually try to like dodge your shots and stuff. So it's like you have to like actually like be careful like uh, because it's actually kind of hard at the end. Like sort of like the midpoint of the game, it starts to become actually kind of difficult because they like, can't just stand out in the open and just uh, tank every shot because the the enemy will kill you um and the uh like it's even like even like level like low level enemies can kill you very easily because if you're not careful uh like the enemies are much smarter like they they have more variety variety of behavior and like cool animations that they do um and the boss bosses are all like those the bosses that i've fought so far uh in, in the in the strikes that i did uh the one strike the two strikes that i did 
uh, very interesting sort of strike design. Uh, they all have like Bungie's not afraid now to they they touched on a, li- a little bit with Taken King and a little bit with Rise of Iron, but they're definitely throwing more of those raid-like elements into it, right? Where instead of you just the boss being a bullet sponge, there's phases and you have to do certain objectives in order to damage the boss. But at the same time, the boss also has multiple weapons and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah, like the the strikes are really really cool. I don't want to spoil the strikes, even even if we're putting a spoiler warning. But I think it's something you should experience for yourself because I think strikes are kind of a critical part of Destiny. Uh, but yeah, the strike design feels more varied, and it's like they keep the pacing in the strikes really uh, well. Like it's really well paced. There's a variety of stuff that you have to do. It's not just one thing. Like this, you have to get to the boss. Like it's usually like the strikes are like twenty to thirty minutes long. So it's like a, a nice a nice little chunk of like sort of. Uh, playthrough like it's, it's really nice uh, the two strikes that i did were, were really really quite good uh, and then also as well they uh they have much better clan support in the game now um i've only tried it out a little bit uh you can manage and add people and do a bunch of uh stuff that wasn't in the first game and you can also have this new system called guide games where you get a token for it. It's in beta right now, so I'm not going to give a full review for it because Bungie said it's still a work in progress. They want to test it out live with players that get feedback from the community before they remove the beta tag. So fair, you know, uh, I'm not going to give a final verdict on it. But essentially how it works is you, it's like an LFG kind of style system built into the game, but also goes through the clan system as well, right? So you can be like to anyone in your clan, it'll ping them all being like, hey, I'm looking to do this raid. Anyone want to raid with me? Yeah, that's uh, that's that was one of uh, the many complaints that people had with Destiny One was uh, the social stuff. Like you, you want to find somebody to read, you have to go to like uh, like a Reddit, uh, like a subreddit for it, and like find people to do like to like raids with and stuff. And with raids, it's really critical that you find like a decent group because like raids are like not they're not short and they, they actually take some effort uh, and coordination to to pull off, right? So it's like you want to get a good good raid group going. And it was it was it was kind of difficult, and the barrier was kind of high oh, to get. Man. You had to go to a Reddit. Like this is how I used to do it. I would go to Reddit. I would hop in a bunch of LFG posts. I would hopping from group to group, and they like all fall apart or whatever. And then like you would bring people along for save point. Because <laughs> that works. Once you kill a boss, you get a checkpoint, right? Because uh, if you don't have time for the night or whatever, right, you can come back to it the next day. But how it was working with, um, with with Destiny or with. God, I just lost my train of thought. How is it working with Destiny 1, right? It was just like you had to rely on people you didn't know. And, and it was from an external service, right? So you had to rely from the user base of Reddit, which is a different demographic than the user base of all of Destiny, right? So at least with Destiny 2, you have all the people who are actually interested in playing the game and not just a subsection who are interested in playing the game and are the type of people to go on Reddit. Yeah, so it's, I mean, this is, this is one way to solve, like, the problem of people just looking for people to play, do raids with, you know, like, not everybody has a full fire team, or even if they do, like, it's hard to get together everybody, you know, like, sort of, like, at a single time and do the raid because those those take quite a bit of time and it's, like, you know, like, it's not, like, a activity you can just, you have to focus on. So it's it's like it's, it's it's a lot like I didn't I never did the raids in Destiny One because I never really just like I never like I didn't want to expand the effort into going to going to Reddit and like doing the raid and like you know finding people to do the raid with yeah so I just never did uh never did the raid so we want to talk about some memorable characters for a bit I think this is the part where we probably put a spoiler warning as well um, yeah uh, another spoiler warning um chapters please use an app with chapter support uh don't use antenna pod because there's no chapter supports and i've 
people reported issues with it. But uh, yeah, so favorite characters. I want to say that my favorite character is Failsafe. I have to say the same. Like, Failsafe really, like, surprised me. When he first told me about Failsafe, I was like, that sounds like a trope. Like, that's I'm going to... So, so Failsafe, for those who maybe have not played it yet or have gotten there and don't care about spoiler warning, is that Failsafe is essentially the uh, sci-fi stereotype, archetype, however you want to put it, of a character, of a broken AI, right? But it's so good. It is extremely good. Like, her, her, her sort of dual personality, uh, like, where she switches between these different voices uh two aspects of her personality and like the lines her lines are really really good like it, she's really well written like she's a trope like it's a trope but i think it's 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 well done and like it, it like tastefully like sort of like like it's not overdone like it doesn't feel like it was like like stuffed in your face it's like sort of like it makes sense and there's like character development like it's not just one thing like she ha- uh, like failsafe has like different aspects of her personality like comes out they have different points and there's like side missions and stuff where we explore more of her personality you know like it's it's it's, it's really cool um, actually character development what like Bungie, like this is this is what you do when you, when you have a good character uh, you actually develop it uh, also like another of my favorite characters uh, i really like what they did with like cade is cade in my opinion is really good cade's uh, story arc is good <laughs> see this is the thing though right like Bungie, all these characters have their own story arcs. Failsafe has a story arc if you go in through. So um, I don't think we mentioned this in the mechanical parts. So let me just uh, mention this real quick. Uh, there is an actual quest system now. And the map system has been completely redone so you can fast travel to places. There's patrols still. Yes, you unlock those later on in the game. But there's quests now. There's adventures, which are like shorter quests and all that. And then there's like main story missions. And all those explore... Like they give you an objective to do, but at the same time, there's always you're always getting little bits of narrative and the such. And each of these side characters all have their own story arc, whether it be a small one or a big one like Cade, um, Ikora, or Zavala, right? And it's like Bungie's actually developing these characters, and you can actually get attached to them, which is why we are like we are disappointed in the story when we're talking about the story, right? Because you have all these great characters, but what happens at the end? Yeah, Not like much. Yeah, it's it's hard to like like I was getting attached to a lot of the characters, like well. Uh, some of my favorite, one of my other favorites is is, is obviously Am- Amanda Holiday, uh, the the Destiny Bay, as, as it were. Um, uh, like really, f- her her character design is is great. She's like a Final Fantasy esque uh, design, uh, and she's this really cool like uh, pilot lady. Uh, she flies around and like saves your ass and stuff. Uh, it's 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 really cool. Uh, like I wish like they didn't. I really like also like uh, Hawthorne, the uh, one of the uh, sort of like re- not rebels, like sort of like uh, people who live like outside the city and stuff. Like uh, like the leader of them. Like uh, what what's her name? Hawthorne. I don't remember her first. Yeah, name. Hawthorne. She's the one who um, has the face paint. Yeah, like yeah. The Bird and the sniper. Right. Yeah. I also like like the fleshed out Ikora's character more, which I really like. She's she's really cool. Uh, sort of character. Uh, there's also uh, Zavala. I think it's Zavala. Who's like a little broken, right? During his story arc, like it's it's really interesting to see. Like he's like almost falling apart. He's being real brash, but then he just kind of is able to grip it back together once you reunite all the characters. Yeah, like when when he gets his fire team back, like it's 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 really cool. Like this this is the thing, right? Like they they're, they're doing all these like sort of giving all of the characters like actual like character traits, like actual plot stuff that happens to them and how they think and like you actually get to see some of their emotional stuff you know like it's it's, it's all this is all good stuff like i wish they did yeah. like i wish the story was a bit longer but you know like, like uh like the final mission right is a really good example of this 
So you're essentially you get shot down when you're entering the last city and it's just like you're trying to get to um, Zavala and all of them. And all you're hearing on the voice comms is them like fighting together. Right. And like when you get over there, they're just all on the floor. They're like just shooting away with like one arm, all these like cabal and fallen. Right. And like you can just see that they're all broken and they're just like now it's up to you. But like the, the lead up to that, when you're rushing through hopping from building to building. Right. Like, it's one of the few times that Bungie has actually successfully made you seem like a superhero in the game, which I think is what they've always tried to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Guardian thing has always been about being a superhero, but they never really quite explicitly sort of uh, mentioned that or, like, sort of allude to that uh, as much as that particular mission. Uh, there's also, like, you know, like the, the missions are, like, kind of like this actual side missions that are actually exploring the story. Who knew that that could actually work? Like, this, this is, like, a lot of stuff that's been and done. Other games have done this, obviously, for a long time. But the first Destiny was missing a lot of this. Like, a lot of this was, was just not there. Uh, it felt like a skeleton of a game. Uh, so it, this, this, I'm glad that it's awesome. But before we move on to the next one last topic uh, that we, I think we need to mention, I think it's, it's important that we mention, is the monetization uh, model uh, that's in the game. The... the the microtransaction uh, system, uh, silver, right? The Eververse. Christian, you want to explain this a bit? So Destiny One in a later DLC, the Taken King, I believe, or no, it was a uh, House of Wolves. House of Wolves added Eververse Trading Center, which essentially is a, a DLC, you know, microtransactions, or as Jim Sterling calls it, fee to pay. Um, where so you pay sixty dollars for the game, a hundred if you're getting the expansions. Uh, and they still charge you microtransactions for cosmetics. Now, you can buy gear from it, but I do not think that's pay-to-win because this gear is at level 3, and the bar for most, uh, or power level 3, and, and most endgame activity requires 270 power. So there is an infusion system, right? But the amount of, you're not guaranteed an armor drop when you buy one of these uh, loot boxes, essentially. They're called bright engrams, but I'm going to call them loot boxes because that's, all they, that's what they are. So you're not guaranteed a piece of armor. So you can spend a bunch of money buying armor and trying to roll the right uh, perks, right? But at that point, like, this, I don't consider it pay to win when you're literally having to spend like $200 to get the right gear set, right? Like at that point, because then you have to infuse it, right? Like I, I think the amount, the, it exponentially rises the amount of money you have to put in for an order to, to get any sort of advantage. There's also the thing about the shaders where shaders are like one-time use. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Shaders are another thing, right? Shaders are so shaders are items that will change the color of your armor. In Destiny 1, they were acquired by doing endgame activities. There are some they were no, they weren't even sold in the Eververse system, right? You could get like the best shaders usually by leveling up in factions, um, doing the raid, doing endgame activities, doing Prison of Elders or completing story quests, that would get you the best shaders. And then they had some that would randomly drop while you're playing story missions or playing uh, Crucible, which I thought was a fair system, right? Like, have some exclusively reserved for doing certain objectives that everyone can get, and then leave the rest to drops. Uh, but now with Destiny 2, how it works is that the shaders are... They're one-time use, and the problem that annoys me, you don't get a single pack will not put your whole gear... You will not... Uh, you get their packs of three or four. Sometimes you get packs of five if you're lucky, but I've only gotten two packs of five, and a pack of five will allow you to throw every piece of gear as the same color shader. But when you get packs of three, and when you're paying for it, that's where it becomes a problem, right? 
These are just incentivizing you to keep paying to get their nice shaders. And one thing that people like the one thing that uh, people like Jim Sterling have mentioned is that this 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 also makes you like afraid to actually customize it because you don't want to like waste a, sh- a shader, right? You don't want to waste like it. F- it makes you like afraid to use the system. So what like what I've been doing is I've been I've been like just like collecting shaders. You get shaders from like doing activities. Uh, from engrams and stuff. Uh, I've been just saving them until I get to endgame, right? Until I get to like uh, power level 270 where I have all my weapons that I want. Uh, I, I have the gear that I want, right? And then I'll start uh, customizing uh, the gear, right? So because I don't want to start customizing the gear and then I throw away the gear because I don't want to, because I le- over, uh, over leveled or like I want to put on a better piece of gear. So as I'm not going to start customizing until I get to the end game. And by the time I get to end game, and I think I'm going to have plenty of shaders shaders to go around uh which is what like like you don't want to like that's that feels like kind of like it feels a bit like they're they're like a bit scammy like it's, it doesn't feel good it's not a good feeling to have where you're like you feel bad about using the customization uh settings like that you have like it's, it's that's not a good feeling uh to yeah, especially too when a huge part of destiny is the dance moves right and the shaders like that's something bungie really uses in their marketing they're like you can customize your character as you want right there's a bunch of sets of gear and stuff for the end game and there's lots of shaders and the such yeah it's uh yeah it's it's gross yeah also it's, too, another thing i want to complain about that has nothing to do with anything they didn't change any of their character customizations options and come on bungie yeah i would have loved some a little bit more variety like maybe pick some hairstyles i don't know like just just let me let me do whatever i want like let me make my character more more my care more customization may make i want i want to play fashion destiny please bungie uh i would i want to change my hairstyle to makeup you know like why not bungie please um like it's a first person shooter but like the whole point of uh customize is people want to show off their characters uh to other people and like you know like 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 make their characters more like them or like more like like have like a vision for a character uh and be able to execute and that's one of the things that mmos really specialize in like the customization part uh, like World of Warcraft has so many customization options, like the trans, uh, like what's it called, transmogrification? Uh, yeah, tra- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's called. Uh, and like, there is so much like variety. Like, you don't even have like just go as Blizzard, like just ask Blizzard how how to do customization stuff. Um, it's it's all like they know know how to do it. Like that's that's what I want from an MMO. Like I want the social customization stuff, uh, and I feel like there's not enough of it. Like they really, as you mentioned earlier in the segment. They should go all in. They should go all in on this MMO stuff and just really like do all these customization and like monthly subscriptions and whatnot. But that's I, I think, mean, even yeah. too, right? Halo Five, a game that I will always refer to because it is a uh, hot take here, the best arena shooter on the market right now. Wow. They did customization right as well, too, right? Yeah. Like there's a there is a microtransaction system, but I don't think you've ever purchased a microtransaction or like a loot box in the no, game, right? No, I have not. And you, and you get ample enough of gameplay and you can get like, I don't think like you've ever like felt burned by any of the customizations options. No, 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 right? no, no. I've never been burned because like the system doesn't have like this weird sort of shader thing where you, you get a shader you, in Halo, you get like a weapon armor model or whatever. And uh it's yours to keep right you you don't it, there's no limited use like you can equip it and then unequip it at any time it's not a big deal right so it's 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 like the customization of i didn't feel like i was wasting anything like whenever whenever i got a really nice looking armor piece or like a weapon weapon skin or whatever i didn't feel like i was i was like wasting it by applying it to weapon because it was not limited use or whatever like it felt good to customize your character like that's what you want like you don't want the player to feel bad that's 
the opposite of what you want your video game to do. I, like, I feel like it's, it's a bad choice. Uh, but I feel like this is one of those things that uh, the publisher had a say on. Like, they wanted like these microtransactions in, uh, and they wanted it in this particular way. And I feel like Bungie didn't have much, much of a say in it. Maybe uh, who knows? But like, what really annoys me, right, is when it comes to the end game shaders. Those are single use too. So yeah. if I play the raid, and you in Destiny One, how it worked was if you acquire every single piece of raid gear, we'll give you the raid shader. That was perfectly fine, right? Like, if you did something in Trials to get the Trial Shader, you, fine. Like, that makes sense. Because those are, like, strict objectives you can work towards. But I can get a random drop of a piece of gear from the raid and three shaders. And what if I want to change my gear, right? Then I have to keep playing the raid in order to get the shaders for it if I like how it looks. And it's just, like, it, it, it creates a culture in the game where people feel like they're being forced to play the game right instead of having fun and doing it because they want to play the game. Yeah, so this is this is, a, uh, this is like a sort of problem I have with this because it's like it is, it's incentivizing people to grind. Um, like, and grinding is, is not my idea of fun. I've never liked uh, grinding in any game that I have. Any game the only has... grinding belongs in the club. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's I'm, I'm no, I don't want to grind. Like I don't like I don't have time for the sh- like the grinding part of the game. Like it's not. I've never been very interested in, in in these grinds. That's one one reason I don't really play MMOs other than uh, Destiny. Uh, is, is, is I don't I don't really enjoy grinding for uh, customization options, weapons, whatever. Uh, so like adding more like grinding to it, it's just it's just not like I'm not a fan uh, fan of it. So I think that's enough Destiny. Uh, video game topics uh, for like the next couple of months. I think we don't have to talk about any video games <laughs> unless um, unless three four three surprises the Halo release. And oh no, we'll have that if, if, if that happens. That's that's like a next day a special edition of Shades <laughs> of Brown is going to be dropping. <laughs> yeah, that that happens. We're going to be talking about it for like a couple of weeks for sure. Uh, but next up, we have a little bit of a break. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to have an audio review from Christian. We uh, so uh, last week. I definitely forgot to do the segment that we do every week. <laughs> so if you do listen to Pentagonal, Jake reviewed Oreos for, for me instead. Uh, I'll have a link to that in the show notes. You can find those at twoshadesofbrown.com. But this week, we are going to review... Well, I am going to review a little something different. Oreo chocolate candy bars. And so these are like... You can get them at like any supermarket, convenience store, right? Um, they're, they're these individually wrapped candy bars. They come in two flavors. They have mint and they have regular chocolate cream. I've only tried the chocolate cream one. I do have mint at my house right now, but um, I don't like mint candy in general. So I feel like <laughs> if I try them, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna give a negative review because I mint is not something I enjoy t- like eating. Yeah. Like, you know, it's uh, good when I'm like using mouthwash. Like, you know, that makes sense. But yeah. uh, mint in food is not something I'm a fan of. Fair enough. But so how these are, they are... Um, segmented like a uh, Hershey's bar is, but they're a little bit thinner. Um, I want to say it's milk chocolate hard on the outside. On the inside is a mix of like, it's the Oreo cream, but also they have bits of the cookie in there too. Mm-hmm. And so this one's a, a bit of a, of a, actually I want to say it's softer crunch than the other ones. Yeah. But it definitely is good. It's, it's a sharper chocolate because they're using straight chocolate instead of the chocolate cookie. Mm-hmm. So... I like these. I think they're worth it. Um, I would try these if you could find one at your grocery store. They uh, they take the best part of the Oreos, which is the cream. And I know some people don't like the cookies. So if you're not a fan of the cookie part of an Oreo and you just like the cream, 
this is definitely another way for you to get that into your system. And um, mince gross. <laughs> that's all. That's, I think that's all I got for this one. Yeah, really. that's, that's your food hot take for this episode. Um, yeah, mint is gross unless you're brushing your teeth. Yeah, okay. I, I can't really disagree with that because I'm not really a fan of mint other than in toothpaste or mouthwash. Um, but moving on from Oreos, we're going to be talking Google leaks. Uh, a lot of stuff leaked uh, ahead of the Google event in October. Yeah, so a couple of weeks back, we were talking about how there was going to be a Google event in October. Uh, we did our predictions. And then yesterday night, Droid Life had a huge drop of leaks. Every, I want to say everything leaked from that event. I do not think that there's anything else that Google would be talking about at that event that didn't get leaked. Yep. So we're going to start off with the Pixel 2 XL uh, and the Pixel 2, right? Uh, so Yeah. But- so these devices are essentially confirmed to have Snapdragon... 835s, right? Um, the latest, greatest camera that Google's going to be using. I don't think that's been specified, but we can assume it's probably be a Sony lens, mm-hmm. as most cameras are these days. Yeah. Uh, same, similar design, still has that weird half glass panel. That they redesigned it a little bit to not make it look as awkward. Yeah. The Pixel XL is going to come in two color schemes. It's going to be black on black, so black glass panel on a black front and a black back, yeah. and then white on black with a black uh, glass panel and a. Um, white finish white aluminum finish yeah. and the front of the screen is going to have a somewhat curved uh i want to say like it's going to be think of like the samsung s8 style of screen but not as um not not as edge to edge the bezels are a little bit thicker on this one mm-hmm. yeah so the pixel 2 is made by hdc and the pixel 2 xl uh is made by lg uh so that's, that's, that's something you want to know. The Pixel 2 comes in three colors, uh, kind of blue, just black, and clearly... Who names these colors? Jesus Christ. Uh, these are bad <laughs> names. These are terrible names. Sorry. Sorry, whoever names I, these. It's the bad one. Bad names. Kind of blue is my favorite one. Yeah, like, that's... Uh, like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's my favorite because how bad it is. Yeah, like, it's, it doesn't even look that good. Like, that's, like... It's, it's, just it's a, more of a teal. Yeah, it's, it's not kind of blue, it's teal. Yeah, it's teal. Just call it teal. Just don't, don't call it kind of blue. That's just... Like, it's, it's, like somebody was trying to be funny with these, like, and it's, it's not funny. Oh my, I, know, I know who got this. So you know how, like, instead of ad tracking, they say, like, um, content enhancers or some bullshit like oh, that, right? Oh, it's a euphemism. It's the same marketing oh, team. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, this is Google we're talking about. So, you know, it's... it's but yeah, so the Pixel 2, you know... The- Pixel 2 has a camera bump, which is the interesting mm, part. Yeah. XL doesn't have a camera bump, mm. but the Pixel 2 itself does, which is interesting because Google made a huge hurrah last year about how the Pixel 1 didn't have a camera bump. Yep. And they also, these don't have headphone jacks. Oh, now they're going to have and, to... Take- and Google and their advertising, right? They were like, oh, we have a headphone jack. And now look at these. The Pixel 2 or the Pixel 2 XL do not come with headphone mm-hmm. jacks. And last, last year where they had ads about like, uh, how they had the courage to include a headphone jack because they were making a joke. But, you know. Yeah, I guess the Google is lacking courage this week. Yeah. Or this, 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 this year. This year, I guess. Well, I mean, actually, there's, there's something they're being courageous about. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move from the Pixel just because it's, like I was talking about this with Static before the show. Uh, if you want a pen, get an S8. If you want an iPhone, you get whatever note. iPhone, right? You mean a and note, if you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if well, if you like want a device with a pen, right? Like yeah. That's big screen and a pen. You get the Note. Uh, if you want the if you want Android, get a Pixel. And if you want iOS, iPhone 10, iPhone eight, 
eight, whichever, yeah. seven, seven, whichever, like, right? Just yeah. get the one that fits your budget. Yeah. And if you want cheaper Android phones, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> they're not going to get updates. I'm, yeah, uh, I mean, there are some Android One devices, but if you're not in the market for those, it's, it's kind of, you know, that's... Yeah, so I... I'm sorry about the cheap about the state of cheap Android devices. Yeah. iPhone SE though, three hundred unlocked. Yeah, so it might, iPhone... might be better to save up for that. Yeah, SE is yeah. a good device, and you yeah. get iOS, and it's a uh, same processor as a success, so it supports all the iOS love and stuff. Mm. But so the thing that Google had courage though to to what we'll be announcing is the Google Pixel Book, a Chromebook with a new Pixel Book pen, starts at one thousand one hundred ninety nine dollars for a one hundred twenty eight gig model. Um, 256 gigs for 1,400 and 512 gigs for $1,750. And mind you, none of these come with the pen. The pen will cost an additional $99. What do you think about this? Nothing about this, this goddamn device makes any sense. First of all, like you mentioned the storage mode. Why does this even have a 512 gig option? Like why, what are you going to do with it? Like, what are you going to put? On the Chromebook, that's going to take up five. Like, I understand, like, having a 128 gig or even a 256 gig model. Like, I would imagine, like, it would be, like, 64, 128, 256. But, like, like what are you going to do with a 512 gig option? Like, how much local storage are you really using with the Chromebook? Like, the whole appeal of Chromebooks is, like, you don't, you don't use that much local storage. You rely on, on Google's cloud services uh, to host that stuff for you. And, like, who's, like, this is, like, this pricing sounds like a, Pricing plan for like Surface Book, but it's like it doesn't even have the functionality that the Surface Book does. Like, what is, what is going on? Like, nothing about this makes any sense. Why? Why Google? What are you doing? <laughs> so, like, I get having a Halo device, right? Yeah, that makes sense to me. But at the end of the day, what are you going to do with this pen? Yeah. Like, we I was talking exactly before the show. We were going over some stuff, and I'm like. With the Note, the best drawing apps are the one that Samsung ships with the device. Like, we've made this claim before, right? That the Note is the one example where bloatware matters, like, yeah. or skins would matter because you Android does not have this pen support. Yeah. There's basic pen support in the Android APIs, right? Yeah. You can download Android apps from a place, place where that support pens, but at the end of the day, you're going to get the best integration, the best latency yep. if you're using a Samsung device in their stock drawing app, yep. right? So I, I guess you could use, like, a, Adobe's content apps right like all of the good drawing apps paper um sketcha i think from the people behind oh my god what's it? The, the icon factory right but like none of these those are all on ios like what what are you gonna do with the pen on this yeah like this doesn't make sense if you if you're buying a device like this you might as well get the ipad pro and get a good pen that actually has apps that you can actually use like it's it's like why would you like you'd actually buy an ipad pro which has a which has a great display, uh, like great, it's fast as hell, and like it has a great pen, like, and you can get a key proper keyboard for it. Like, why would you just not buy the iPad Pro? Like, why would you buy this? Like, unless you like really locked into Google services, and even then, Google services work pretty well on, on iOS. So it's like, why would you even bother with uh, a, pix- a Pixel Book? Uh, none of like, this dev- device, like even for people like a Halo device, it doesn't make. Like any any sense? Like I don't understand where Google is. Going and like you know this. too, if if you buy this to install Linux on it, that pen's not going to work in Linux. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, like if it does, the latency is going to probably be bad. Like I don't think there's any sort of drivers or any kernel modules for the for the Pixelbook pen. Yeah. I mean, if if you're buying this as as, as kind of an expensive Linux laptop, like it's not like 
the cheapest Linux laptop in the world. Like you could get a better Linux laptop probably like from like ThinkPad from a, from Lenovo, a Lenovo ThinkPad or whatever. Like those are like solid Linux laptops that you can make those good Linux laptops. But this, I don't know. Like even like, yeah, like we we've been saying Google, you know, try and step up Apple. Then we're not we're not. <sighs> We no, didn't mean it like this. No, I we, we didn't like, mean to overprice our no, devices. No, it's not even just overpricing it. Like I understand the appeal of having like a high end product, but like, like you know, it's kind of like if, if it doesn't actually do anything, it's like why? It's like it's like a doorstop. Like why would I buy? Like why would you buy this? Like unless you have too I much mean, money, I guess. It's just I mean, like, the the problem too is right that. Exclu- even if this is like an Android tablet, we'd still be having the same conversation because Android apps are not good at big screens. No. Android tablets are on Android tablets are basically a joke at this point. It's just like even Android bloggers are just like, yeah, Android t- Android tablets are just are just not good. It's it's not in a good state. Like like Google really isn't focusing on tablets, and then they're doing this Chromebook Android stuff, and it's like, uh, what are you doing, Google? Like, I don't understand what what's your angle here. Like, at least focus on like you know like actually release some decent apps, or like you know actually focus on making tablet Android a better place. Like, like you know, there's always that that gross Steve Job quotes about hardware and software working together, right? But like, even Microsoft takes notes of that when they release Surface, right? Those builds of Windows are customized for the Surface. There's special features in Windows on a Surface that you don't get on other devices because Microsoft recognizes that if they're making their own hardware, they can do special things like that, yeah. right? Where you get better battery life, yeah. you get better latency on that, and right? If, and that's fine. Yeah. And there's like better app support, right? Yep. Like these, the hard, the software, the Surface is made to work with the compromises yep. that Windows 10 gives you, right? Yep. So it's this like, device assumes yeah. that Android is going can scale, or that there is a plethora of web apps that will create that allow you to do some kind nope. of great productivity. Nope, that's not this doesn't exist. I don't know what Google is doing. Like if if you if you're in a market for such a device, consider the Surface Book because like really, uh, a Surface Book or an iPad Pro, depending on which which OS you like, you know, it might be more convenient to use Windows rather than iOS. Uh, so like a Surface Book, you get full Windows, you get you get a good pen. A great pen, really. Um, you get a you get good hardware. You get like support from Microsoft. Uh, you, you get OS updates really quick. I mean, that's Windows that doesn't really have a problem with that. But like, you get a solid all around device, and you can run everything, all other kinds of apps. Like, you can run all the Windows apps that you want. Uh, and it's it's like, why would you even bother? Like, there's no point. That the, there's no functionality that this offers. That you can get elsewhere, and if, probably even for cheaper, right? The iPad Pro might even be cheaper than this uh, shit. So it's like, why? Why would you? Like, the why? Just, just my whole like the, this segment just should be named "Why Google." Like, it's just, just why. It's what I'm. I'm sad I didn't get Jake on this podcast. <laughs> but so, uh, also leaked was new Day Daydream VR headsets. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be called Daydream View. Uh, it's a more streamlined, cleaner design. Um, I like the colors they're using. Yeah, the cool. color choice is nice. Mm-hmm. I've always liked the fabric for them. I got to try one a couple of times, and mm-hmm. it's like some squishy kind of fabric. It feels nice. It's comfortable. Yeah. It's breathable. I've always liked these Daydream headsets. Uh, the thing is, though, um, we don't know if they did any changes internally, right? Because these only leaks are the photos for it. None yeah. of the specs have leaked. Mm-hmm. So. Um, they're saying that this one has more of a nylon finish, which uh, if you've used any of the nylon Apple watch bands, those are better at not letting sweat stain them or uh, make them groggy. Yeah. Uh, the controller is also back again. I assume that Google's probably going to uh, allow you, probably increase, the, or, like make the lenses better that were on the inside, right? But this is all dependent on your phone, right? Since yeah, you just yeah. drop your phone and it's a viewer for that. Yeah. Uh, the 
the price is going up though. It's going to be a hundred dollars when the last year's one was eighty dollars, mm-hmm. which is a little lame. Yeah, I mean the price is going up, but I hopefully, I mean Daydream has been sort of like they they announced like they're going to announce a lot of more phones, but there's only been like a few phones that support Daydream, uh, and as, obviously there are new pixels that are going to support uh, Daydream. I, I imagine there's going to be like some bundle deal with uh, the Daydream View and like a Pixel XL or whatever, like Pixel Two XL. So I'd imagine that's one way they're going to sell this uh, is, is bundling them or, you know, I mean, I'm not that interested in VR, the VR stuff right now, but like Google. Yeah, it, as we'll talk about next week, yeah. AR definitely yeah. has, is where we're more interested. In yeah, them. definitely more interested in AR than VR right now. But like if Google can focus on it, good for them, because it's like Google's the thing is they just lack focus. Like they feel like they keep shifting from one thing to another. They had Project Tango, and then they switched to AR Core, or AR Core, and like it's like they had that Nexus program, and then they switched that over to Pixels. The story of Google since two thousand and like eight, right? They yeah. just can't focus on one thing. Yep, it still comes back to bite them in the ass. Although yep. I do think that if these Daydream headsets had like a a little viewfinder for the camera, yeah. You could just do some AR on it, right? I think Probably. that'd be interesting. Yeah, sort of like the mixed be, reality yeah. stuff Microsoft's been talking about, right? Yeah. Like if Google has been saying that the camera and the Pixel devices are like some of the best, right? And that's been that's proven to have been true. They are good cameras. They're truly great cameras. Yeah. So I think a version of the Daydream VR headset where it has like a little slider that you can just open up and expose the camera of the device. Yep. And then so you can have, you can be like completely immersed in it, right? Yeah. But you can also do this kind of AR stuff. Yeah. I think that's definitely an interesting use case for it. Yeah, it's hopefully like Google actually like follows through and actually, you know, focuses on this for more than a year because these things don't just like, don't just take one year. Like you're going to actually develop an ecosystem and have the apps, you know, like it's actually have devices come out with them. It's, it takes some time right. for it to, to grow. Like so. remember project Tango? Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that a couple of few weeks back and you know, it's just, it's, it's a recipe piece project Tango. Now it's AR core. Uh, so that's that's the well, there's one last thing for for before we sort of end the podcast um the google home mini uh it's a smaller google home so it's like a smaller little little thing uh so it looks like a little pebble i actually i like the design as yeah, a yeah this is kind of cool yeah so it's uh it's fabric on the top i assume the top's also the speaker the bottom's some hard plastic uh you just plug it into the wall essentially it's google's version of the echo dot um I, I don't think there's anything really else about it. Uh, it's I have had a Echo Dot since um, Christmas, right? I picked them one up around Christmas time last year. And they're just not useful. Like, the problem is, like, it's smart voice assistants are something where you have to be ingrained in the ecosystem for the work for, for them to work well. I think we'll have more to say on this when we talk about iOS 11 next week, where I think me and you are going to have wildly different experiences of the new Siri. Uh, but so I don't think Alexa is useful. And I, I recognize that there's a lot of folks who find Alexa useful because it's used to control their smart home devices. But the problem is I live in an apartment. I can't take out my thermostat. I can, and I technically should, can't swap out the light bulbs for smart ones because I'm supposed to call maintenance every time a light bulb stops working, right? So if I start doing that to smart ones, if I start replacing those things, those are technically not allowed on my lease, right? And more importantly, there's only limited things I can do, right? Like, do I really need to tell my Echo to turn on the lights? Like these these home kit scenes and like these Echo stuff where you, like, you tell Echo or Alexa it's bedtime, right? Like that doesn't 
really work unless you have a full setup and the full setup only works if you own a house where you can do all this and at that point right like the amount of like privilege and wealth you have like i don't know like that's such a small amount of people where this is actually useful it's more of a novelty yeah it is it is really not very useful to a lot of people yeah so yeah the I mean, we're going to talk about the HomeKit stuff next week uh, when we do uh, our iOS sort of uh, overview and review. Uh, so look forward to that next week. Uh, you can find us, uh, as always, on twoshadesofbrown.com. The show notes are going to be there. Uh, you can find me on Mastodon at staticsafe at mastodon.zombaclaw.com. And Christian? I am at C-C-O-O-C-H-O at C-Y-B-R-E dot space. And you can also email us. Uh, there's an email address, contact at tshadesofbrown.com, so we can send feedback. Please do. Uh, we both received that. Uh, hopefully, we get some more feedback. We haven't really received any feedback, but that's cool. We receive feedback in other ways, just not by email. Uh, email is cool, people. Just email us. Uh, so when with that, uh, goodbye. Goodbye. What was that plug for the email? <laughs> <laughs>